Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease. Plus, it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored, soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How?! You'll have to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. episode of the power ranking show is brought to you by bet online bet online is your number one source for all of your betting needs get the latest odds lines and matchup reports for football basketball baseball boxing golf and more bet online continues to be the fastest and the easiest way to place your wagers including live betting and your favorite casino and card games that are available to play right from your phone head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action Remember to use promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And that, of course, is the voice of at Marcus underscore Mosher. This is the Power Rankings Podcast, a.k.a. the Power Rankings Show. This is an audio-only podcast, although I can't see you, bro. Where are you? I, I turned my camera off because, you know, I didn't want you to see me rolling your eyes at your points and all that kind of stuff. I know that happens a lot. Uh, it's frustrating, but uh, I'm sure you're going to roll your eyes at some of the points I have to make uh, regarding this latest Super Bowl. So this is our post Super Bowl podcast, and and uh, I think a really great game last night. I hope everybody enjoyed it. There's a lot of hot takes on it today, including from my podcast partner. Uh, 500 foot view. What's the what's the view of this Super Bowl from a league wide standpoint? And then versus your own personal biases, like Brock Purdy stinks. League-wide or national? Because there's very, very different. National. National. Yeah. Travis Kelsey's boyfriend got another. Or not Taylor Swift's boyfriend got another Super Bowl ring, right? Yeah, I was like, did Uh, I miss something on Twitter today? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, No, it's Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, that's that's been the, the debate all day is where does Patrick Mahomes stand now? among the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history after not only winning this Super Bowl, like if they would have came out and just blown out the 49ers, okay, that's one thing. But to be down in this game, uh, to be down in overtime by three points, to have to put together a drive at the end of regulation, uh, to just tie the game up, 
I mean, we can, we're having some legitimate conversations about like Patrick Mahomes being one of the top three or four best quarterbacks of all time now. Oh, you told me earlier, who was it? FanDuel? Who was it that sent out? Uh, PFF. The good, good, the good folks over at PFF. <laughs> the good folks over at PFF. Uh, they'll do your muffler, your transmission, and they'll uh, give you some hot takes on uh, greatest players of all time. So what they sent a tweet out that said Patrick Mahomes is the blank QB of all time. Yep. Yeah. I was telling you, I like, I really wish QB wasn't in there because I would like to put like he was the, you know, third best. Scientologist of all time. I thought that would have been really sweet, but no. Uh, uh, so just really quickly, I don't want to have a huge Mahomes debate because we're going to have plenty of the off season to talk about or plenty of time in the off season. Is he in the top five for you now? Yeah, he is. But I imagine, I mean, you, you would probably know the discourse on Twitter better than I would. Where are most people putting him that responded to that tweet, including yourself? Top three. I, I think a lot of people have now pushed him ahead of Peyton Manning. Not only does he have more Super Bowl wins, uh, he has already more playoff wins than what Peyton Manning has. Uh, the, the postseason numbers are absolutely ridiculous. And he's just played better in the Super Bowls than what Peyton Manning did. If you remember that last one, he was kind of carried by that Denver team to win that one against the, the Panthers. Uh, I know the regular season numbers are, are absurd for Peyton, but the postseason stuff does matter when it comes down to these quarterbacks. It's always interesting to me how a couple of things on that one, how wins become a quarterback stat when people want, I know, them to. I know when people want them to. And then when it's somebody like that's a really good player, like uh, Kirk Cousins or Dak or Justin Herbert or whatever, then the wins don't matter. And it's about how many points their offense scores per game or what their passer rating is. Or Can I tell you what I think changed that, though, for Mahomes? Okay. I think them trading away Tyreek Hill after the 2021 season and then winning Super Bowls in back-to-back years. And it's not like Tyreek has fallen off and proven to be a bad player. In fact, he might even be better now on the Dolphins, right? Like, Mm -hmm. he might have been the best receiver in the league. So to go win two Super Bowls in a row without that guy and without really replacing him, I think that just kind of added to Mahomes' legacy. It just seems like, okay, so like one of the narratives against Brock Purdy right now is that people who are more stats inclined or PFF inclined, and that's not an insult, just the people that are that way, they don't rate Brock Purdy very high. And they don't care that he's (laughs) his starting record is absolutely phenomenal. And then they defend other quarterbacks whose records aren't as good. But then when it comes to Peyton Manning versus Patrick Mahomes, all of a sudden – it's yeah. Patrick Mahomes' record in versus Peyton Manning's because in my mind, Peyton Manning changed the game, calling an a, entire game basically from the line of scrimmage. Now, don't get me wrong. Quarterbacks used to call their own plays in the 50s and the 60s and a good part of the 70s, but not from the line of scrimmage. Um, Peyton Manning really changed all that, not to mention his 2013 season is just, what was that, 55 touchdowns that year, five thousand and something yeah. passing but now all of a sudden record matters. So when does record matter and when does it not? Cause I'm get, starting to get a little confused. It's a fair point. Uh, it's one I'm not sure I have the answer to. Like I said, I think it really, the last two years for Mahomes losing Tyreek Hill 
and replacing him with McCole Hardman and Marquez Valdez Scantling in a season of Juju Smith Schuster and Kadarius Toning and being able to win with those guys. Weirdly enough, I do think the record now is something that Mahomes can use in his favor. So one of the big defenses of Aaron Rodgers over the years has been his passer rating being the highest in the league, the MVP awards, mm-hmm. um, even though he's only won one Super Bowl. The, we've talked about Dak Prescott on this podcast, the Cowboys leading the league in scoring. That's a big feather in his cap. Um, and then you have Lamar Jackson winning the MVP this year, but his stats weren't nearly as good as they were in 2019 agreed when he won, but he's winning it because of, of their record. So I just get confused on, you remember the old debate? What's a big game. I'm Mm -hmm. starting to wonder like, really, when, when do wins matter? And when do they don't, I, I guess the best without being obtuse about this, the best thing that I could come up with is when you are comparing the very elite against the very elite and you have something, you have to split hairs these are the kinds of things you split hairs on. Yeah. And like when it comes to Peyton, because that's just the name that we're using here, there was a lot of postseason games where Peyton struggled. Now, some of that's not necessarily his fault. Some of it was because of the opponent. Some of it was because of the weather, but man, you can like point to seven or eight games where it just was really, really poor. We have like one of those games from Mahomes in the playoffs, and that was the one that they lost to uh, the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl in Tampa mm-hmm. Bay. And I don't even think Mahomes played all that bad in the game. I mean, he was making some unbelievable plays. His offensive line just couldn't hold up at all. Uh, I, I know it seems premature to put him inside the top three or top four. I, I, I fully understand that. We're only seven years in. But I think the confidence level that everybody just has in, has in Mahomes right now and the inevitability of Patrick Mahomes is the reason why it's fair to rank him inside the top three or four quarterbacks of all time. I think the second part of this for me observation is just that it's it's interesting how quick people are. Just, just you know, they get on Twitter or whatever, and they're like, oh, it's the greatest of all time. You know, everything's the greatest of all. Everything's the GOAT. Gosh, I wish... Jerry Rice's agent would have never faxed that piece of paper to the Broncos. Cause that's where the whole goat thing yeah, came from. It is. Do you want to sign the greatest of all time? That's where goat came from. And so now we have to hear it all the time. And what makes me mad about hearing it is that these people that are doing this, that are like, I don't know, whatever, fine. Just take some 30 year old. They're not even thinking about anything, but what they've seen. I mean, don't you have to at least contemplate the idea that, Somebody came before you that the idea that Johnny Unitas just gets thrown out, you know, like it's like, oh, well, that was, you know, I mean, Johnny Unitas played in the Super Bowl era, won three MVPs, won three championships, two NFL championship games before they had the Super Bowl and then it, uh, Super Bowl five um, also started in uh, the 64 championship game and lost Super Bowl three. He played in. They lost. This is a guy that was in a lot of big games. He changed the position between timing routes with Raymond Barry to really getting the two-minute drill down to a fine art. Uh, At the time that he retired, he was the greatest quarterback to ever play. And when Unitas retired, uh, you know, in the 75 offseason, the NFL was already 55 years old. So how is it that the greatest quarterback in the first 55 years of the league is all of a sudden just a non-factor now? Is that... Is that at least weird to you? Like if I said, Marcus, I know you love LeBron, 
who are we comparing LeBron to as the greatest NBA players of all time? Yeah, I mean, who right now, we, it's only Michael Jordan, right? But at least the discussion brings up Magic Johnson. They'll bring up, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. They'll bring up other guys that played. And it's like in the NFL, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, I mean, if you, you know. Well, I think the other quarterbacks that have been mentioned, at least before this Super Bowl, in regards to Mahomes would be like Dan Marino and John Elway. And, uh, but the, but the problem with those two quarterbacks are obviously Marino didn't have a Super Bowl win. John Elway had two, correct. Mm -hmm. Um, but he wasn't even the best player on the team on this, uh, on the last Super Bowl, right? Like, no, Terrell Davis was clearly the best player in that team. Um, and I think that's where it just gets really hard. It's, We've just become so accustomed to Patrick Mahomes winning all of these playoff games and not only winning, but playing really well. It's just hard to say that you would take anybody else over him in a playoff game. <clears throat> I understand that. I'll just say that, you know, John Elway, Dan Marino, Joe Montana all played in the nineties. Mm -hmm. Now their primes were also in the eighties, especially in Montana's case. Um, by 1993 or 94 was Montana's last year in the NFL. That was the 75th season in NFL history. We've only played 104. So how is it that all the greatest of all time are all part of this well, little finite we can, group? We can go yeah. through the seventies, right? Like Staubach and Bradshaw. Bradshaw has the four Super Bowls, but. I mean, I don't think you're making an, an argument for Terry Bradshaw over. I'm not. I just think if you, I just think when it comes to football, fans, people that make comments, it's they're literally the least football fans are the least knowledgeable of all the major sports. Um, we like to think that football fans, including myself, all of us are the most knowledgeable because we get into the X's and O's, but we're really the needs. Like, because if you ask a baseball fan, they'll mention Babe Ruth who played in the twenties. You ask an NBA fan, they will absolutely mention Magic Johnson and, and Michael Jordan and Larry Bird and those guys, Dr. J, who played in the 70s. Those names will be mentioned instantly. Golf, Jack Nicholas will be mentioned instantly. Mm -hmm. And he played in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s too. Um, I mean, really every sport. Uh, you think NASCAR is going to have a discussion without Richard Petty? No way. No. And, no. and he raced in the 70s. Why is football the only sport where we do this. It's just so weird. And if you guys don't know, I always have a running kind of half joke with Marcus that in 10 years, no one's going to care who Aaron Donald is. Some people won't even know who he is. They'll be on Twitter saying, ah, you know, cruciferous chalk bonds, the greatest player of all time, <laughs> you know, and it's like Aaron Donald never even played, you know, it's just a weird thing. Uh, that, that's all I have on that part. I do have another part on Mahomes with the game last night in particular, but that, that I'm done with the, yeah, I'm good. Let's go. Let's move on. Yeah. Okay. Now here's my hot take on the game last night. The Kansas city defense won the game last night, not Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes was a massive part of it. Uh, he won the game in the end to me, the best football player on the field last night. If we're not just going to instantly go to the quarterbacks was Chris Jones. Hands down. He won the game. It's a good take. Very good take. I'm going to go with Steve Spagnola. Uh, I, I, I think his game plan was unbelievable. Uh, I was looking at some of the numbers today going into this game. 
we only saw one team all season long play uh, basically cover one or cover zero on like 40 or more percent of the snaps against mm-hmm. uh, against San Francisco. That was Cleveland. Now, Cleveland has the pass rushers in the corners where they were just going to come after Brock Purdy and dare him to make quick, accurate decisions and get the ball out and have to throw in weird angles, right? Nobody else dared to do that to Shanahan, but Steve did. They went cover one or cover zero without getting too nerdy, basically just trusting that their corners could hold up against Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. And they absolutely did. I, I, I thought the game plan was unreal from Spagnola. So guys, cover, cover zero, cover one. Basically, you're talking about what do you have back there to stop a big play? Uh, do you have one safety? Do you have zero safeties? Cover two right. is a defense that has two safeties. They split the field right down the middle. One takes one half, one takes the other half. And they if the corner lets a receiver go, uh, the safety picks up the receiver behind him. When you play cover zero, there is no safety valve. There is no, you're, you're literally attacking. It's an attacking right. style of defense. It's saying we respect you. Sure. But we don't respect you enough. <laughs> we're cut. We're coming after you And that Cleveland game is a little different. That Cleveland game was when the 49ers had injuries on offense. It was in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a boggy overcast yep. kind of game. Uh, Cleveland, what I'm saying is they had some intrinsic advantages to playing that style of that game. I think Debo missed that game. I, I could be he wrong did. on that. He did. And McCaffrey yeah. got hurt about halfway through. Right. So you got no Debo, a banged up McCaffrey. The 49ers are on the road on not exactly a sunny, perfect day where your visibility is great. And this was at a neutral site with the 49ers coming in healthy. It's to- it's different, man. It's different. It is different. I, I just thought it was unreal i i applaud him for being aggressive like hey we've been aggressive all year this is the way we want to go out we we don't want to sit back and let them dink and dunk the ball down the field we want brock purdy i hate having to say beat us because that implies that like they think he's a bad quarterback but basically like you're gonna have to make some unbelievable throws to beat us and we'll live with that if you do i i I thought chris jones trent mcduffie and steve spagnola were honestly the winners of this game Oh yeah, McDuffie's play on Debo in the end zone, get that offhand up <clears throat> to mm-hmm. uh, knock the ball down was amazing. With Chris Jones with me, and I was giving Marcus a hard time earlier because the Cowboys just have no one like this. And I'm not talking about this caliber of player. I'm talking about this kind of leader. You know, the the the, the Chiefs just gave up a touchdown. They're down ten to nothing in the second quarter. And Marcus, I know you've already heard the spiel from me, but uh, Chris Jones comes off the field. And he gathers the entire defensive unit around and says, we are beating ourselves. Like, let's get it together. And I was sitting here thinking, what guy on the Cowboys gathers his guys around and does that and gets in their face? Nobody. Nobody. And yes, I I'm including everyone. I love that in a game that the Cowboys did not play, that we can make this about them. This is unbelievable. This is like peak ESPN stuff. Well it done is. by you, Elliot. I just, I, because, you know, you, you're not going to say it on Locked On Cowboys. So I have to say it here, hoping that there's some crossover. Oh, what a dig. <laughs> yes. I mean, you, you know, the Cowboys stare off into space. That's what they do. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I thought that kind of leadership, and maybe a lot of teams might be like that, not have a Chris Jones. And I'll give, I'll, I'll say this. Chris Jones is an all-world player. In my book, he's already a first ballot Hall of Fame player. He kind of has the skins on the wall to be able to do that, but he still does it. You know, he doesn't just say, Hey, I did my job. 
you know, we're tired. I'm sorry. Or, you know, I'm getting paid. Or as Charles Barkley says, we're going fishing. But, you know, I thought that was a huge point in the game because wasn't it until the fourth quarter when San Francisco got a first down again on offense? Yeah, it, was, it was a while. Yeah, it was a yeah. long time. Mahomes uh, throws an interception on his side of the field. The 49ers gained five yards and the Chiefs forced them to punt. That was a huge stanza in the game. Uh, overtime drive. San Francisco takes the first drive of the game. Marcus, I know you thought this was a mistake. They go down the field. They've got Jennings open on that little out, you know, around the three-yard line. And he can't get the ball off. Wasn't that Jones in his face that forced Brock Purdy to have to just get rid of the ball before Jennings even made his break? Yes. You know which play yeah, I'm talking I about? I do. That I wins the game. Yes. The defense was unbelievable. And it shouldn't be a surprise because this is what the Chiefs have done all playoffs. They Going into the Super Bowl, they allowed three total points in the fourth quarter. Uh, but they gave up was a one touchdown in, in this game and then the, the field goal in overtime. I mean, they were unreal, Ellie. They, they deserve all the credit that they're getting today. All right. Who are you happy for and who are you sad for today? Ooh, happy for uh, McCall Hardman. McCall Hardman has had a rough season, not yeah. only because of injuries, but some drops. He made a huge play the early Jets. in this. The, I mean the, yeah, the Jets uh, made a huge play early in this game on that 50-yard pass that was really underthrown by Mahomes. He did a good job of fighting back to the football, and then it kind of just completely got wiped away because Isaiah Pacheco fumbled in the next play, and then he scores – the walk-off touchdown. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty cool for a guy that was so bad in some of the earlier games this year where it was kind of shocking that he was even on the field. Um, I, I thought it was cool. Who are you sad for? Uh, George Kittle. Uh, George Kittle plays the game the right way, and he, on uh, the biggest drive of the game, he had to leave and go to the locker room with a shoulder injury. Um I just love the way he plays. I, I I do want him to win a Super Bowl. Watch his backup get called for a really tough. It was a good call, but oh man, that hurt them. That Huge holding call. call. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'm happy for Travis Kelsey. And uh, yes, yes, <laughs> I'm going to say it. Well, the Swifties. No, I'm I'm happy for Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. And here's why I say this: I like that Nate Burleson said something after the game where he said, you know, a lot's been said about these two. And he's like, dude, like just, you know, that's love right there. Like it's, it's very obvious to me that, that she cares. And, and he was overcome with emotion. And I was like, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sure everyone's sick of seeing this and hearing about it, but like, sometimes you can watch something and see it and know whether it's genuine or not, mm. or at least have a pretty good idea. And I saw the end of the game and there, there was nothing that looked fake about that. Or I know all the conspiracy theories that are out there right now, you know, I mean, she's walking arm in arm with his mom. And I just thought, you know what, at some point, like just quit hating on it, like yeah. just quit hating on it, you know, but I am really sad for one guy. I am sad for, for Greenlaw. I really am. Mm. I mean, imagine you're up 10 to nothing in a game. You're, you're waiting on the sideline as your team punts to the Chiefs. And you get really excited, but the play's not over yet. So you start to run on the sideline like a like an eight-year-old who just got his school clothes off and just wants to go. You know, remember when you, like I went to a private school, I had to take my 
my my school clothes off and then I had to get my play clothes and I couldn't wait to like run outside and go play wiffle ball or whatever. That's what Greenlaw looked like on the sideline. Like he, he could not wait to get out there. Okay. And uh, I know you were looking at me like, where is this going, dude? But literally he could not wait to get out there. And then he, he has to kind of back up because he leaves too early. And then when he leaves to like run on the field, he instantly crumples, crumples to the ground. And he, he left with his team clearly winning the football game. He was having an amazing first quarter. He was, dude, he made two or three plays that were I awesome. Know. He was flying around the field. Yes. Then he has to sit and watch his team lose that game. Okay. And he's probably not going to be able to play this year. How devastating is that? It's really tough. Um, and like I said, the first quarter of this game, he was flying around the field. Like I haven't seen a linebacker fly around the field. It's that's, and that's a really bad injury for a linebacker that's going into his contract year. I've got faith that he'll come back at some point during the 2024 season, but it's not going to be until November or December at the earliest. So that's, it's bad in so many different ways. I really like him as a player a lot. And he kind of got a little bad rap for punching Dom in the Eagles game this year. He didn't really punch that guy in the face. He was trying to point to the dude behind him. And his- in hindsight, it was a good move by Gregory Law. Just the Eagles <laughs> completely fell apart after that. Yeah. But, you know, and then Steve Wilkes, his defensive coordinator, aired him out on the sideline and, and Greenlaw tried to press his case of what he was doing. But point is, I was watching the game and I was thinking to myself, you know, it's terrible to rupture your Achilles on the last game of the year in February. You know, you are ruining your next season, but at least he's going to get out of this with a Super Bowl ring because I thought the 49ers were going to win. And man, I just think what a double whammy. And if none of y'all went to private school, yeah, our parents were like, you were not allowed to go, or at least my parents, you were not allowed to go outside and play in your school yeah. clothes because they cost money. So, I can't tell you for him with a silver spoon in his mouth. Going, yeah. uh, yeah. One more person I feel very happy for Blake Lively, just to see her excited in the, the box. I know a lot hasn't gone well for her in her life. So kudos to her. You're ridiculous. <laughs> By the way, I, I was very happy anytime they put, uh, they, they showed the Taylor uh, Swift screen because that meant more Blake Lively time. So I was good. I didn't actually think they showed Taylor Swift that much. Last no, they night. didn't. I thought I was very, very controlled. Very judicious because they're, you know, Kelsey went on a little run where he caught some balls and they did not show her after he caught a couple of passes. And I thought that was smart. I just, you know, everyone's been hating on them and I was watching. And when Nate Burleson spoke up and said, you know, look at that. Does that look like, you know, basically, does that look insincere to you? Um, but yeah, Greenlaw, that really it was just such a weird deal, man. You could tell he was super excited to run on the field. Then he steps back. And then when he tries to kind of run back out there again, dude, it was like, he just fell. Um, I hated it. Uh, a couple other little tiny thoughts, tiny thoughts. Who did you think was going to get the MVP before the final drive? <laughs> well, Jawan Jennings, he should be. I mean, he, he had a, the touchdown pass. He had the touchdown reception. He had a big third down catch. Uh, he had a big 18 yard gain on a third and long. I mean, he was the best weapon for the 49ers probably in this game. Yeah. Even better than Christian McCaffrey because he didn't fumble the ball. Okay. Best player on the field last night, not named Patrick Mahomes. I gave you Chris Jones. Who do you got? 
I mean, Harrison Butker to kick a 55 yard, what was a 57 yard field goal? Yeah. 57 yard field goal and just absolutely drill it. That was a huge, huge play in the game. Uh, but to just have a kicker that you have the utmost confidence in, we don't the special teams were great from both sides in this game. Like the kickers and the punters were unbelievable. I think Butker and Jake Moody both deserve some credit. Thoughts on the broadcast? Good broadcast, average Super Bowl broadcast. I thought Jim Nance was really good. I thought Romo was good in spurts. Overall, mm-hmm. very happy with it. I would just add, uh, and I worked with this guy for a little while, uh, Jay Feely, I thought was really helpful a couple of times during the broadcast, especially the extra point. Oh, when he yeah. said, guys, that's on the kicker. Uh, he's got to get that ball up. That's not on the blocking up front. And when you watch the replay, you could see how low uh, the trajectory was on the kick. Halftime show. Oh, I mean, I'm a big Usher fan, so I loved it. Plus, I love that we got Little John and Ludacris in it. It was great. I, I I know it was for me. I was the target audience, like the age of like 25 to 35. I was right in the demographic, so I was very, very happy. Uh, all right, commercial. Uh, I like the Dunkin' Donuts commercial with Ben Affleck and Tom Brady and Matt Damon. That would at least get like a little chuckle from me. What about you? Yeah. I liked when Matt Damon said, you know, remember when I told you I'd do anything for <laughs> this you? Is anything. Yeah. I I did really like, there were two Arnold commercials. I I loved when he said, get me out of the choppa, but you've never seen. Well, he also, you he couldn't say neighbor, that. right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> but the choppa is a reference to Predator, which everyone, yes. Marcus has still not seen that movie, which it's is. all this week. Which is insanity, which is insanity. Okay. Uh, I saw the odds after the Super Bowl. Uh, 49ers plus 500 to win next year's Super Bowl. And I think Kansas City was plus 750. How would you do the odds? If you had to pick your five top five teams right now, or top three or four, including Casey and San Fran, how do you, how do you look at the odds? I'm shocked that Kansas City is that low. Like, we had one doubt about the chiefs going into the season. It's like, Hey, can they win a road playoff game? Because they just haven't done it under Patrick Mahomes. And they did it this year, right? They went and played at Buffalo when it was freezing cold. Then they went and played the number one seeded Ravens and had no problem in either game. I, I don't get why the chiefs with Patrick Mahomes in the prime of his career with Travis Kelsey coming back with Andy Reid coming back, why they wouldn't be just like plus three fifty, plus 400 again. Not to mention Rice was really on an upward swing mm-hmm. throughout the season. He could really turn out to be a hundred catch guy next year. Um, you know, uh, whatever, twelve hundred and fifty yards, sure. eight ten touchdowns. Uh, I could see that happening. Um, San Francisco at plus five hundred surprise you as the top? No, they should be the favorites in the NFC. I, I still think this team is the most talented team in the NFC, Elliot, but. You start to look at the roster. They're pretty old for, you know, one of those teams like George Kittle's 32. Trent Williams is going to be like 36 or 37. Even somebody like Christian McCaffrey, uh, he's 28, is going to be 28, which is older for a running back. The defense is a little bit older. Um, I won't be surprised if this team falls off relatively quickly, uh, maybe quicker than what people expect. So if San Francisco and Kansas City were one and two, who should have the third best odds to win next year's Super Bowl right now? If you're putting your money down and you don't even see, you don't even get to look, 
and you're just like, this is the, this is the team. And if they're not listed there third, then I'm, I'm betting my money on them. Probably Buffalo just because you have Josh Allen and they're the one team. I mean, I know they haven't gotten past the chiefs in the AFC, but every single game against them is really, really close and comes down to a player too. It's just really hard to bet against Josh Allen unless he's going up against Patrick Mahomes. A uh, little discontinuation of these uh, rapid fire here. We we didn't talk about the NFL honors, and obviously that was a big part of Super Bowl week. What was the one award that you were you really applauded, and the one award you're like, ah, you're just scratching your head? I thought the voters got it right when it came to Defensive Player of the Year. I, I know that Miles Garrett didn't have the raw the raw counting numbers when it comes to like sacks and tackles for a loss. But Elliot, you and I watch these games like he's just completely dominant. Teams are game planning to make sure he doesn't make an impact by double teaming him at, at an absurd rate or making sure that the quarterback gets rid of the ball quickly or making sure that they roll out to the other side. Uh, I, I just thought he was the most dominant defender, uh, even though the stats, the counting stats might not have backed that up. Yeah. Did Chris Jones even get a sack last night? No, but he was the best player in the field. <laughs> exactly. Well, exactly. same with Nick Bosa. I don't even know if Nick Bosa got one, but Nick Bosa, the first three quarters of this game, was like he was a big reason why this Chiefs offense really didn't do anything until the muff punt. Yeah, and that's circling back to the broadcast. I think that's something that Tony Romo really highlighted well was the lane discipline of the 49ers uh, uh, defensive line. I, I I thought Armstead played his butt off. Oh, my gosh. Well, I, um, I think Romo did yeah. a really good job. Um, There's one play where Bosa was rushing the passer and kind of maintained his, his, his gap integrity. And then as soon as Mahomes got outside the pocket, he broke off from the, 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 the block and then chased Mahomes where he had to throw the ball out of bounds. Not a sack, uh, not a quarterback hit, but it was a key third down stop. It doesn't go in the stat sheet. That's what an elite pass rusher can do, even if they're not getting the sack numbers. Yeah, and every pass rush is not created equally. That's another thing no. people need to understand. Now, I, I was a big fan of Miles Garrett getting defensive player of the year, and and I thought he deserved it over TJ Watt. But I'll say this, both, and I think Miles Garrett's the best defensive player in the NFL, but both of those guys and Micah and Max Crosby, they're all edge rushers. Oh, there yeah. is a massive difference between a quarterback feeling pressure off the edge and a quarterback getting pressure right in his face where the defensive tackle is pushing the guard right into his lap. So much more difficult to deal with when a guy like Chris Jones or Aaron Donald, or uh, if you want to go with the Cowboys, a Diggy Zua, you know, yep. any of these yep. guys, when any of these guys, uh, Dexter Lawrence, when they, when they get pressure up the middle, it's just, it's so hard for the quarterback to adjust. Whereas an edge rush that can spin out of it, they could step up, they could slide. Uh, I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I'm just saying uh, it's a little different. What's an award you did not like? I, I, I don't understand the comeback player of the year award. Um, listen, I Joe Flacco had a really nice season. I thought it was really cool what he did for the Browns. But what was he coming back from? Just sucking with the Jets? That's not really a comeback story, right? Like that, that should be the most improved player. We had... Listen, if you don't want to give it to DeMar Hamlin because you don't believe he did enough on the field this year, I, I I get it, right? Like, I completely understand. But I'd rather see that award go to Tua, 
who legitimately had to consider retiring this offseason because mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of concussions. He mm-hmm. comes back, plays all 17 games. Uh, the Dolphins make the playoffs. They're one of the top offenses in the league. I'd rather see that than Joe Flacco. I feel like I cut you off. Were you going to make a no, no, it's the same pass thing. rush? No, 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 I wanted to talk about this this award because, again, I, I really appreciate what Flacco did, but I don't understand how he's the comeback player of the year. Okay. Uh, Hall of Fame. Another thing that happened this week. You saw the class. Who did you really love getting in? Who were you like, ah? First of all, let, let's just spend a minute on Patrick Willis. You and I were very excited that Patrick yeah. Willis made the Hall of Fame, right? Like, we, you and I don't care as much about the length of a player's career as long as you hit like at least seven quality years. Is that kind of the number mm-hmm. for you? Yes. Yeah. So to see him get in, I, I kind of thought he was the, be- the best linebacker or the second best linebacker of that kind of era. So really excited. I was really excited to see Devin Hester make the Hall of Fame. I understand why there's some people that are pushing back on Devin Hester making it because he wasn't a full-time player. Uh, he's a special teams guy. He's not even the best kick returner in NFL history. He didn't really change the game because we had returners in the 80s and 90s that were big parts of their team. But I think he is one of the most memorable players, uh, especially at that position. So I'm happy he got in. Uh, you know, Patrick Willis, uh, in my mind, you know, he, he played eight years, 2007 to 2014. As you said, seven really peak years. His eighth year, he got hurt. Um, I, I'll tell you, this was a guy that was first team all pro right out of the gate. He made first team all pro five times. Now you could say, yeah, but that can be a reputation award. Sure. The 2007 49ers did not have a good reputation. I can tell you that right now. They were awful. They were awful. And Patrick Willis was so good that he could not be ignored. He was just dynamic. He made every play an inside backer made. He was a little bit like Fred Warner in that he could make every play, but not in body type. The the inside linebackers in Patrick Willis's era were a good, what, 20 pounds at least heavier uh, than the guys are now. And Willis could still get depth. He would make unbelievable plays in the run game. And he just didn't miss tackles. He didn't just hit you with the shoulder. He tackled you, gobbled you up, and the play was over. Every single time. Got off blocks. The 49ers defense in 11, uh, 12, 13 were awesome under Jim Harbaugh. That's why they got there. And Willis was the best player on that defense with, oh, by the way, some pretty good football players. And so I was really happy uh, to see that. That said, I wasn't necessarily happy with the entire class. Yeah, was there any choice well, that you were scratching your head? I'm not going to talk negative about a Hall of Famer. So I'll just talk about somebody who I was hoping to see get in. I wanted to see Antonio Gates get into the Hall of Fame I, this year. I, his numbers are ridiculous. I've always thought he played really well really well in big games. He scored a bunch of touchdowns. He was on some really, really good chargers teams. And he was kind of the whole focal point of the passing offense. Uh, I was bummed to see him not make the hall of fame. Right. And listen, guys, Marcus is not going to dog out a player. He's not going to send out a Ezekiel Elliott tweet. No, I'm at least once a month. I've matured (laughs) to feed the base. Like he did earlier today. I've matured Uh, from six hours ago. Ezekiel Elliott, who may not even be in the NFL anymore, and Marcus is still taking his uh, swings. The Cowboys are still paying him, though. So, 
Uh, yeah, I know. I know. Um, I, you know, I just think the hall of fame, the voters, uh, been in that room. There's, there's too much emphasis on sex. There's just, I, that's the simplest way I can put it. Yep. There's too much emphasis on sex. And sometimes a guy gets into the hall of fame because he has big sack numbers. Look at the tackle numbers. Look at the passes defense numbers. There are other things to look at besides sacks. And I will at least say this about TJ Watt this year. TJ Watt had more than just sacks this year. TJ Watt had some big plays mm -hmm. this year, tackles for loss. He had a big interception against the Rams. But sometimes there are guys that literally, they just have sacks. And I, I have a hard time with that. Well, who's um, the best example of this? Is it like when Vic Beasley had like an 18 sack year? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that would probably be like number one, Robert uh, Quinn, when Robert yeah. Quinn had that 19 and a half sack season. There are a couple of pass rushers made the hall of fame this year, Julius Peppers and Dwight Freeney. But if you look at their stats and you go through it, you'll see that one guy was much more of a well-rounded player. Now that does not mean that somebody doesn't belong in the hall of fame. I just feel like guys that don't have sacks are getting penalized. And if they don't have interceptions, they're up the Creek. Darren Woodson was yeah. a captain on the Cowboys. He was the kind of leader they don't have now. He was Chris Jones. He was the guy that would get on the sideline, get the guys together and say, listen, we got to play ball, quit beating ourselves. He did not miss tackles. And his job in the Cowboys defense was to not be a ball hawk. He was not a roaming center fielder of a safety. In fact, he was so good that when the Giants or somebody would come out with a three wide receiver set, which wasn't the norm in the 90s, the Cowboys didn't have to sub. Darren Woodson would just walk up from the safety position. Let me tell you what a huge advantage that is. The slot receiver, Marcus, how far is the slot receiver from the actual offensive line? What, a few yards? Yeah. You know, they're, yep. they're right there. Now you're not going to run the ball to that side. No. Nope. Because Darren Woodson's right there, so you're going to have to run the ball to the other side because Woodson's going to make the tackle. I just think it's a real shame. They were the number one defense in the league under Mike Zimmer, who's been in the news this week, by the way, if you missed it, speaking of the Cowboys. Um, Woodson hurts his back. Uh, there's nobody to tell everybody where to line up the next year, and the defense plummets, and the Cowboys go from 10 and 6 to 6 and 10 um, without any other super major personnel changes. Well, I guess Quincy Carter to Vinny Testaverde, but I don't know that that was necessarily <laughs> subtraction. Well, watch your mouth. Uh, you know, so, uh, that, that was the one I was disappointed. Yeah. I, I, I'm hoping we get him in next year. I don't think next year's class is particularly strong with new candidates. So I, I'm hopeful, but I, I, I can't disagree on anything you said about Darren Woodson. And I, I don't think any of the guys that were elected were undeserving. I just think sometimes sacks are, are a little too high. And I was happy to see Randy Gratishar make it in. It was a, a longtime Broncos linebacker. Really good player. I always like to see the senior candidates. Uh, speaking of NFL history, where does this Super Bowl rank? What number is it? Yeah, so I thought about this today. I, I'm not sure it's a top five Super Bowl, but I certainly think it's in the top 10. Uh, mm -hmm. I came in at like number seven. Can you give me a few of the Super Bowls that you would put above it for sure? That would I put above it? Yeah. 42? Even though you were going for the Patriots, yeah, it's. I think so. Forty nine. 
Which one's 49? Seattle, New England. Malcolm no. Butler. That 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 one that one is certainly better than this one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So would yeah, you put 42? That would that's you the best 49? Super Bowl I've ever seen. That's the best Super yeah. Bowl I've ever seen. So I'm naming the ones I would put over. 42 and 49, I would put over this one. Super Bowl uh, 10? I was going to say 13 between Pittsburgh and Dallas, but those are both absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal games. Um, I know a lot of people think the Atlanta Patriots won because of the no. comeback, but I, I, I'm not there. I'm not there either because that game was not, was not great for three quarters. Like the comeback was fun, but it was a blowout for three quarters of that game. Um, I think this one was better than that game. Giants bills is definitely one. I would think about super bowl 25 wide, right? That That's yeah. a great one. Where are you on Pittsburgh, Arizona? Uh, I know you're not the best. I'm, biased. To I'm, ask. I'm a little biased. So that one's pretty low. Uh, on my list, I, I would not keep that one very high. Uh, any others that I'm not thinking of off the top of that, that for you Bang, were Bengals 49ers. The second one, uh, yep. Montana to Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. That one's phenomenal. Um, I don't, I wouldn't put it over this one. I know a lot of people love the Titans Rams. Mike Jones's tackle at the one. Good one. I, I don't know. I think I like this one better than that one. Uh, Eagles Patriots was a fantastic Super Bowl. Um, it was a, it was a, the only problem is there weren't really any great defensive plays, I, I know. which leads me to a point, but I, I, is this game wanna... better than the one we had last year between Eagles chiefs? Yes. Easily. I easily. I, I think this might be number five for me. If okay. we're not including historical relevance because Super Bowl three Colts jets, uh, is the most one of the most relevant sporting events uh, in history, much less. I've heard of that Super Bowl before. Well, it's the biggest upset maybe in sports history, that and Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson. Um, I want to ask you, there were a lot of people that, and I got a text about it, and that thought that this game was a snoozer and that turned into a classic. Are we at a point now where if a game is not 34 to 28 at halftime, it's a snoozer for people? I mean, what, what is it? I don't think this game was sloppily played. I think it was great defense being played in the first half. I, why do people feel this way that it's boring if there's not, if it's not red so, zone. So I don't think this was a boring Super Bowl. I don't. But when you have that many fumbles in the first half of the game, even if they are really good defensive plays, I think it does give you a sloppy feeling of this game. And even, you know, you had a muff punt in the second half. Um, you had Christian McCaffrey fumble in the red zone. You had Isaiah Pacheco fumble in the red zone. You had Rashi Those were Rice. great plays, though. I know. I think it's just when you get four fumbles and a half, it does feel a little sloppy. You also had... Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes just missed some guys. Uh, Brock Purdy missed a couple of receivers in the end zone. Now that wasn't all because Purdy just flat out missed him. There was some pressure, but I think it was a really good game to watch. Uh, but I can understand why you think might think it's a little sloppy. I, I just don't agree. Uh, okay. I don't agree at all. I mean, I, it's, there were great defensive plays. Purdy missed Debo Samuel in the end zone because he had pressure right in his grill. Uh, yeah. He missed the play to Jennings for the same reason. Um, you know, the the Mahomes threw that interception. Yeah, it was an overthrow. It was still a great catch. 
And then Kansas City made a heck of a clutch stand to stop the 49ers. I mean, yeah, the 49ers right in their tracks. You know, good football is running, throwing, tackling, making your kicks. You know, it's not like, uh, you know, the, the 49ers Vanderjacked the kick. Um, nice. Sorry, Mike Vanderjack, but I but, uh, hope he's not a listener. Former but, Cowboys you know, it, 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 right, got blocked, you know. And so I just, that really bothers me. I, I really, you know, are we at the point where a Super Bowl is only classic if it's you know, going to be 42 to 34? I, I, I think that's unfortunate. Uh, hey, I got a co- couple quick questions for you before we head out. Ready? Okay. This is Marcus's way of saying, guys, we're closing out the podcast. Here. Yeah, we got Yellowstone. I got to watch it in a second. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Best food that you consume during the Super Bowl? Well, I, I hate to say that I made myself some nachos. And uh, I mean, if you know, Ellie, this is not this isn't a Super Bowl <laughs> tradition. This is a random Sunday afternoon tradition. <laughs> yes, I'm a big fan of nachos. Now, I made my nachos. I got the mozzarella cheese, like little. What do you call those? Where they're already grated, like little shavings. You sure, know? sure. Yeah, yeah. Shredded. And I did. Yeah, shredded. Thank you. And uh, I did some garlic powder uh on them i did some just regular uh, black pepper but i also did cayenne oh, pepper the garlic yeah. powder explains your other decisions in the night never mind we're good keep going <laughs> right, right. <laughs> bro that was just laziness i'm gonna tell you right now at my age i'm staying home and watching a movie um, uh yeah you know so I-, I would just say uh yeah that and a little bit of salsa yeah is that bad no, I mean, listen, I'm a huge nacho fan, so that all sounds amazing to me. What was your uh, drink of choice? I made a martini. Yeah, okay. I did. Agreed I, did. I enjoyed a second half martini. It might have been apple. I'm not going to answer that question. I hear your favorite judgment. Favorite play it. in the game? Ooh, cookies and cream. That's a great question. You go first. I have to think about this. You go first. Oh, I, I think it was the, uh, there was a Nick Bolton, like slot blitz where uh, he, Purdy didn't come, see it coming at all. And Bolton just drilled him and it was a clean hit and everything. Uh, but it was just so well disguised by the chiefs that I thought it was so cool. Well, the best hit of the game was, uh, Conley on punt coverage. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. That was ridiculous. Conley made a couple of <clears throat> plays in this game on special teams, but I'm you know, I'm going to say the uh, Jennings touchdown throw oh, to cool. Christian McCaffrey. It was so well set up. I love Jennings. He does all the stuff you want him to do. Remember the, uh, well, of course, do I'm asking you if you remember this. You were jumping up and down. 49ers opened the season up at Heinz this year. Mm-hmm. And there was a McCaffrey run. I think it was the first play of the second half. Mm-hmm. Went for about 75. 75. Yep. And it was, I think, Ray Ray McLeod and Jennings blocking all the way down the field it was just awesome old school football um i love the um what was what's the saying for the like you don't get the ball if you uh do you remember they you don't said block you don't week? eat no no it's close enough ah dang it now i can't remember oh it's gonna make me mad something like no ball wait no ah oh I well. Can't. oh well so, but probably the throwback play. I thought that play was really awesome. Um, but you know, like uh, no block, say, no rock, no block, no rock. Thank you. I got to say though, uh, the final drive was fantastic. Uh, the fourth down conversion, just 
It was, I mean, the overtime was wildly entertaining. I was on mm. the edge of my seat wondering who was going to win. And seriously, man, how often do we get that anymore? I, 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 I'm going to change my answer. I think the play call on fourth and short for mm. Andy Reid to run that basically read option where he has Tra- Travis Kelsey in the flat, which the 49ers actually covered well. So Mahomes just took off. And not only did he get the first down, he gained like 20 yards. And I, I think it was once he got that first down, it's like, yeah, they're scoring a touchdown here. Yeah, like, and that was a, what they had run that play in the second quarter, mm-hmm. I think, for a really good game. Uh, my buddy, who's an Eagles fan, fell asleep right before the Super Bowl and slept through the whole game. Woke up, literally, he woke up to McCall Hardman getting asked like a half question <laughs> about catching the winning touchdown. That is quite out the time. nap. That's a four-hour nap. Yeah. Anyway, and I tried to describe the Mahomes fourth down conversion to him. And I said, hey, you remember in Tecmo Super Bowl, if you were the Eagles, there was a play QB Eagles that was a run to the up side of the screen. Yep. Yeah, that, that was pretty much the uh, the play to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. All right. That's all I got. That's all you got. Well, I'll say this, uh, everybody. I think that's one of the best Super Bowls that we've ever seen. I, I, I certainly agree with Marcus. If it's not in the top five, it is certainly on the short list in the top 10. And even though I, I'm not ready to just elevate Mahomes over Peyton Manning and Johnny Unitas just yet, I think it's certainly debatable. Uh, I will not put him over Montana and I will not put him over Tom Brady, but it, it's getting there for sure. And uh, I also agree with Marcus. If you're betting on next year, plus 750 odds, isn't that what it was for Kansas yeah. City? Yeah. I mean, in this era, the closest we've seen to a three-peat is, is probably Dallas in 94 in the in the salary cap era. Um, and the Chiefs mm. have a lot of flexibility when it comes to their cap situation next year. They've got some good players on young uh, on cheap deals like Rashi Rice and Pacheco and Trent McDuffie and George Karloftis. Like, they're going to have the flexibility to, to improve this team, which sounds crazy. And that's the difference between them and the 49ers is the 49ers don't have a lot of core players that are on their rookie deals. So I'm with you all the way there. Listen, if you'd like to hear more about the Cowboys in reference to the National Football League, you can always listen to Locked on Cowboys. Marcus hosts that with Landon McCool. Give Landon a follow, of course. And then Marcus also covers the Raiders for USA Today. Raiders Wire, he's really jazzed right now about the Raiders. Uh, You can ask him all. Please uh, tweet him at... (laughs) Please. Marcus underscore Mosher, please tweet him about the Raiders. Uh, he really would like to answer those questions. And he writes for the 33rd team, of course. He is at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter. We really appreciate you guys. We will talk to you later and hope you enjoyed your football season, everybody. Take care. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease. Plus, it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored, soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog.
Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary.